Good morning, church. It's good to be in God's house today to worship. Let's all stand. We're going to sing Revive Us Again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who of worship. Oh. 
worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise. Let's sing that chorus again. You are worthy, Father, Creator. You are worthy, Savior, Sustainer. You are worthy, worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Rosebar Baptist Church in winter 2.0 of 2023. I saw something on Facebook this week that said we sprung forward last week and we sprung forward like to next winter already. So don't really know where the warm um, weather went, but we miss it and it'll be back soon, I'm sure. Um, we are glad to see you here this morning. If you're here and you're not a member of Rosebauer, um, we, we're, you're our special guest this morning. We pray that you'll uh, feel welcome and fill out a visitor's card if you have a chance so that we can follow up with you and would love to know more about you and, and let you know more about our church. Our March focus verse is Matthew 5, 5 through 7. And it's, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And we're thankful this morning for a good God that gives us good promises. And, um, and I pray that this morning we will uh, tune our hearts to worship him. Let's pray. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for this place, and we thank you that... We can sit and we can take a breath and we can relax and we can know that you're God and you're in control, God. And I just pray that this morning you'll help us to, to remember those things, that we'll forget about all the things that we're worried about or that we've got on our plate this morning or lunch and all the things we have to do this week, God, and that we'll truly just for the next little bit just worship you and honor you for who you are, God. I pray that you'll be with our worship team as they lead us to your throne, God. I pray that... Um, I pray that you'll hide Justin behind the cross as he brings the word that you gave him today, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it never fails and that it never changes, God. And I pray that this morning you'll just help us to remember how good and faithful you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As ushers come through the aisles picking up the offering, we are going to continue in worship, if you all will stand. You know, studies have shown that when you sing, you actually become happier. I think that's how God designed us to be, to sing. And, and our singing is definitely a response to God's greatness and his love for us. So let's all continue to sing and worship. I heard a pastor say one time that the most important principle in your life is that you let God define himself. It's very important that we don't put words in God's mouth or define God by what we want him to be. But Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This song kind of imagines what that song might be. I'm standing at 
when all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I'm safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God. The battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, oh, I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When all I see is the cross, God, you see the
time when the kids come forward, they're going to go to Children's Church. We've got one more song we're going to worship with today. Just ask the wind They are still at the mansion of the snake They'll say my God is still
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord, giving us the opportunity to be in your house together with fellow believers, Lord, to lift up your name and praise you, bring you honor and glory this morning as we sing songs that, um, that just praise you and lift your name. Lord, I, I thank you for the grace and the, the mercy and the love that you show each one of us every single day, Lord. I pray that we would, as we sing these songs, we'd realize the mercy that you show, you pour out on us every single day. And Lord, I just pray for Brother Justin as he comes before your people every week, Lord, and he preaches the message boldly that you put on his heart. Lord, I pray that our hearts are soft today. I pray that the walls are, are removed, that Lord, that you just remove all the distractions from our mind, Lord. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. have your Bibles with you, I want to ask you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we'll begin reading together in verse 1 in just a moment. This morning we're going to continue in our journey of walking through the New Testament together um, and our pick up in our reading from last week and we began the book of 1 Thessalonians. And this is a letter that Paul has written to the church of Thessalonica. And if it's okay with you this morning, I'm going to merge a bit of our reading from this last week and merge it with a bit of what God has been doing in my life and a bit of what God has been doing in our church's life and put it together and share a word with you that I hope is helpful and encouraging to you. So what I want us to consider this morning, based upon our reading from this week, is this. How do we share the gospel with our kids and our grandkids? Over the last three weeks, I've had an awesome opportunity to sit down and to share the gospel with several children from our ministry here at church. That evidently, God is moving and working in the hearts of our children. And so that's really exciting for us as a church, and it should be exciting for us as a church to hear and to know that for more than six or seven kids have come to me asking the question, how do I get saved? What do I need to do to get saved? What does salvation mean? And so I've had an awesome opportunity to sit down with them, and I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but, but last week alone we had 18 children in the nursery, we had 19 kids go in the children's church, uh, right across the hallway, and that don't include our youth and our kids that are over in third grade. So the Lord is blessing us with an amazing group of children and young families, and I think our reading this week gives us some insight on how the gospel works. Not only how the gospel works in our lives, but also how the gospel works in our children's lives and beyond. So this, in our reading... Church of Thessalonica, it's a young church that Paul planted on one of his missionary journeys. It's his second missionary journey. And, and if you can remember, we were reading also in the book of Acts. We were like Acts 17 and 18 to begin the week. 
And so to give you a little insight of how the Bible works together and how Acts is giving us a description of the acts of the Holy, how the Spirit is working in the lives of His people. And so Paul is going on a second missionary journey and it is explained in Acts chapter 17. I'm going to kind of read you a few snippets of Acts 17 to give you an understanding of the church of Thessalonica. All right, so verse 1, 7, Acts 17, I'm just going to read you a few bit. Now, when, when they had passed through Amphilius and Apollo, uh, Apollonia, then came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So Paul, as custom, he goes to them, and for three Sabbaths, reasons with them from the Scripture. So he first, he goes for three Sabbaths, that means three weeks. Their Sabbath was on a Saturday. So he immediately goes to the synagogue. That's what he always does when he goes to the city. He first goes to the Jews, then he goes to the Gentiles. So he goes to the synagogue, and verse 3 says he's explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And in verse 4 it says, some of them were persuaded meaning believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then it says, A great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. Verse 5. And the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, gathered a mob, and set all the city in an uproar to attack the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. So that's where Paul was. Paul was at the house of Jason. He went to the synagogues. He's sharing the gospel. Some believed. Those who didn't believe became angry. And they, it was the Jews, they became envious or jealous. And so what they did was create a mob from the evil men of the city, and they go to find Paul at Jason's house, verse 6. But when they did not find them there, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. So Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. All right, remember, it's the Jews. They're jealous of, of Paul and the people believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, so they create a mob to go and have Paul killed. But they can't find him. They can't find him. And so then they're going, and they're saying, hey, this man Paul is teaching something that is going against the basically the ruler's way, which is there's no king but Caesar. Now, the Jews don't believe Caesar is king. They're against Caesar. But if they had to make allies with the, with the Romans in order to have Paul killed, they're all for it. So they're saying, hey, there's no king but Caesar. Verse 8, and they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city, and when they heard these things, so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away tonight, by night to Berea. When they arrived there, they went into the synagogues and the Jews. And so he goes to Berea. They get ran out of town. And many believe in verse 13. But then the Jews from Thessalonica learned the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea. So they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Berea is 50 miles away from, from where they are here uh, in, in, in Thessalonica. They hear about Paul now being in Berea. So they send another crowd there. 
And it says in verse 14, Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command from Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. So, okay, stop there just for a minute. I'm sorry for the long trip, but I want you to see where we are. All right, this is Paul's second missionary journey. He goes, and for three weeks, he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's some believe, so much so that a church was planted. All right? But for the safety of the ch new church plant, and so that Paul keeps his life, he leaves. And when he leaves, he is now writing a letter to the church of young believers who have only heard the gospel and known Jesus for three weeks. And he's writing to encourage their faith, to establish their faith, so they may stand strong on the word of God and all of the trials that will come their way, all of the temptations come their way as they live out their Christian faith. So that's where we are. And in this whole umbrella of what's going on, what we learn and know and understand is how the gospel of Jesus Christ works. All right? That's what I want us to see just for a moment. The, the way the gospel works is this. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ comes to us. It works in us. And then it goes from us to others so that others may know Jesus. That's how the gospel works. That's how it is displayed here in our passage this morning. So if you look with me, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, if you'll stand to your feet, we'll read this passage together. It says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of Thessal uh, Thessalonians, in God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has surrounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let us pray. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your word. And God, we pray that you bless this reading to our hearts and that you, by the power of your spirit, give us understanding, wisdom, and discernment. And Lord, we pray this in the most powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So we're going to look at this particular chapter, see how the gospel works in us, and as we see how the gospel works in us, we're also going to learn how we share the gospel with our children and our grandchildren or, or truthfully, for a lost and dying world, right? That's, 
we don't share it any differently to our children than we would a lost and dying world. That's, that's the intent of sharing the gospel to all. All right? So how, um, how the gospel works is what we're going to see. As we're seeing that, we're seeing how we share this to our child. So let's begin with number one. <laughs> what we see is how the gospel works is we are saved by the gospel. That's what we ultimately see in verse 5. How, For the gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit. All right. So we have been... We are saved by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul has told us, for um, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. All right? So we must hear the word of God in order to know and to believe and understand Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. What we see here in this passage is not only in our hearing, right? It's not only by the word, but the power of the Holy Spirit that changes our lives. All right, and so what he's saying is it's not just about facts, knowing facts about Scripture. It's not just knowing information about Jesus, but it's truly knowing Jesus in a supernatural way. And the only way we can know Jesus in a supernatural way is the power of the Holy Spirit that works in our hearts. It is the Lord who convicts us by His Spirit of our sins, Draws us to himself, meaning that it's in that moment in time we realize we are sinful in need of a Savior. Because until we realize we are sinful in need of a Savior, we will never call out on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, why would we? Why would we need it? Why? You know, and that's what we deal with in our society today when we go share the gospel. And, and what many people in our culture think is, why do I need to be saved? Like, what? yeah, there's some bad things that have happened in the world, but I'm not that bad of a guy. Like, why do I need to be saved? And it's not until the Holy Spirit convicts their hearts and draws them to Himself, reveals them for who they are, a sinner in need of a Savior. Reveals to them who Jesus is, the Savior, the only Savior that can save them from their sins. It's the only time we can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. But when the Gospel comes... We are saved by this gospel, by the Spirit of God that works inside of our life, right? So number one, the gospel saves us. Number two, we are sanctified by the gospel. That's what it says in verses 6 and 7. Notice verse 6, it says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 7. So that you became example to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. That's where, uh, that's where he's saying that now they became examples. Their lives changed. They were once following false gods and idols and worshiping all of these false idols, but now they've turned from their idols and they've turned to God. That's what it says in verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry you had and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven. So he's talking about the change that takes place in our life when we know Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. How it changes us. Like there's something different about us. No longer are we living for ourselves, but now we are living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. We are turning from our sin and we are turning to God and the things that he'd have us to do in our life to obey God and follow God and serve God. There is a distinct 
difference when you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. No longer are you living for the world. No longer are you living for yourself. But now you are living for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That now He will redirect, rework, and realign your heart to the purposes and the promises of God. There is a difference. And then number three is we are sent by the gospel. That's what it says in verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. For your faith toward God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. He's saying that once they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of life, not only that, but their life was changed, and now they are a living example for a lost and dying world, but they weren't just a living example, but their faith sounded forward. That is, they opened their mouth and they told other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the gospel had went forward from them to Macedonia and all of Achaia. Because of the work that Jesus had done in their life. You see, the gospel don't just stay with us, but the gospel is meant to go out from us to a lost and dying world. That is the marching orders that have been given to us by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mark 16, verse 15 says this, Go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that command begins in our homes with our children. Right? So that's where we're connecting is that command from our Lord and Savior to, to preach the gospel, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. It begins in our homes with our children. And so many struggle today with sharing the gospel with their children because we have lots of questions. How young can they be and understand the truth of the gospel? Do they really get it? Should we wait until they get older where they can fully understand? We have all kinds of questions when it comes to our children and knowing the gospel. And so I want to share with you a few keys that I think are helpful for us as parents, grandparents, church members when sharing the gospel. So there's a few things I want you to consider, and that is this. Number one, pray for salvation persistently. Pray that God may save them. Do you know what, like, when babies of our church, very first time they're here, what do we do with them? We bring them down forward and we pray over them. And you know what the most important part of that prayer we pray over them is? That they may know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. And that's not just something we want to do one time. But it's something we want to do persistently, continually, often. Pray for our children, for our children in the nursery, for our children in children's church, for our children in the youth group. Pray that they may know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. If you can remember, this year we started taking three accountability questions in our Sunday school. And those three questions are, have you read your Bible daily? Have you prayed for the lost? Have you shared the gospel? And we're about 10 weeks in to our accountability questions where we're able to take up some average. And so this is what it's looking like 10 weeks in. 
10 weeks in, we're averaging about 101 people in Sunday school for 10 weeks. Out of that 101, we're averaging 51 people reading the Bible daily. Out of that 101 people, we're averaging 52 people praying for the lost weekly. And then we're averaging 17 gospel conversations weekly. If you were to add that up, that's about over almost 800 times to share the gospel in one year for us as a church. And so those are the numbers that we've got. And this is kind of why we started asking those accountability questions. Because if we want people to get saved, it has to begin with God's people on their knees crying out to a holy God to save their soul. We don't have the power and the ability to save a soul. Who does? God. Right? He's the only one that can save a soul. And so if we don't have that power, but we desperately want that to happen and to be true in our children's life, then we must begin on our knees crying out to a holy God, save their soul. God, do what I cannot do. And Lord, I pray now that you convict them of their sins. And God, I pray that there will come a day that they know you as Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, more than I pray for their education, more than I pray for their career, more than I pray for their sports and teaching them all those other things, Lord, I pray they know you as Lord and Savior of their life. That's got to be the prayer of us as parents. It's got to be the prayer of us as a church. Number two. Model the love of Jesus regularly. Model the love of Jesus regularly. Much of sharing the gospel with our children is shown rather than told. That is, who we are will get passed down one way or another. And so if we follow the Lord, serve the Lord, we read, we pray, we go to church, make that a priority emphasis in our life. When it comes to making disciples, it is more caught than it is taught. You can tell them all day long, read your Bible, pray, serve. But the truth is, if they don't see you reading, praying, and serving, then they're going to think those things are not really that important. And most likely those things won't be real important to them either. So as a parent, we have the greatest potential to impact and influence our child, more so than anybody else on planet Earth. And I know it may not feel like it at times. It may feel like it, we're the ones they don't listen to. They'll listen to other people before they listen to us. I know that's what it feels like, but I assure you, you will shape your child's life by what they see in you. So the question is, how will you shape your child's life? More so, what direction will you take your child? The key takeaway from Scripture about parenting is this. Modeling Christ is more important and more powerful than any method you could follow. <laughs> so what that means, the question is, first and foremost, not how do I get my children to love Jesus. It begins with, how do I love Jesus? How do I follow Jesus? How do I serve Jesus? How do I worship Jesus? How do I read the Bible and be an influence on their life? Because the truth is, it is difficult to lead a child to a place where you are not currently at. If you're in love with Jesus, then if you're in love with Jesus and you're following Jesus and you're reading your scripture and telling others about Jesus, then you will be an influence on your child. And if you desire for your kids to love Jesus, then model for them what that looks like in your life. 
That's what we see in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. What did they say? They were making an impact. Why? Because they were a living example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because how many of you know, like, if you just get told a series of facts, Jesus is Lord, believe it, and then let the other person just believe, they won't believe that near as much as if you say Jesus is Lord and the way you live your life is as Jesus is Lord. That is what convinced the people that Paul was sharing about. He didn't just preach Jesus is Lord, but he lived out his daily life as if Jesus is Lord. He was the Lord of his life. His every decision was based on Jesus Christ. He followed Jesus. He served Jesus. He loved others. And they saw that not only in his preaching, but in his living. And it caused people to follow Jesus. The most important thing in parenting is that you are following Jesus because they are following you. Pray for their salvation. <laughs> Model the love of Christ. And then number three, teach them the true truth regularly. Teach them the truth regularly. We are just now getting to, you know, step three. We're just now getting to the point of sharing Jesus with our kids, right? Sharing Jesus, yes, with our life in our prayers, but now is when we open our mouth and we share with them. And notice it says regularly, because repetition is key. It is not a one-time thing. But we are to share the threads of the gospel to our children often. It is said by scientists that if the brain registers information one time, or just once, less than 10% of that message is likely to be remembered after 30 days. But if you take that same message and share it six times over 30, 30 days, 90% of the message is to be retained. If you want your kids to know and understand that God is creator, God is Lord, Jesus is Savior, then repeat the message frequently. How? When you see an amazing sunset, Talk about how God created it. When you take your kids to the zoo and they love all of the animals and the monkeys and all that kind of stuff, remind them that God created them. When you're looking out at the ocean and they get to go to the ocean for the first time and they're so excited and they're jumping up and down and saying how big and amazing it is, remind them who created it. Remind them of how amazing and great our God really is. And He's not just found in a book, but He's found in all of creation because He is the one that created it all. Teach it regularly. Share the gospel with our children is not a one and done deal. We must faith be faithful to continually sow the seeds in their lives. Constantly emphasizing the story of the gospel in your home with your kids as much as you possibly can. What I've got for you today, if you would be interested in it, I've put together what I call the story of the gospel. What I always share with the children when I sit down with them is the story of the gospel. What I always tell them is this is a summary of the entire Bible in about five paragraphs. All right? From Genesis to Revelations, this is a summary of what we see. And it's in five paragraphs that begins with perfection. God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. And when he created it, it was absolutely perfect. Genesis 1.31. 
But then it goes to a problem. And that is, in, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And when they did, sin left all of humanity in a broken relationship from God. Because God's original design was not for us to live in a broken relationship, but to live with Him for all of eternity. But because of sin, that, because of sin it broke that relationship. And now, man's greatest problem is sin. Because it separated us from God. The third paragraph, provision. But God sent His Son Jesus to do what we could not do which was to fulfill the law through his life, death, and resurrection that we may be made right before a holy God. Provision is just God provided his son Jesus because there was no other way. Promise. And now, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And one day he will return as forever king and we shall have our heavenly reward. That he gives us two promises. The promise of salvation and the promise to return and to call us home and to be with him for all of eternity. And then, we, the, the last P is what do we do? After we're saved by God's amazing grace and until Jesus comes again or we die to be in heaven for all of eternity, what do we do in this meantime? And that's the fifth P is until then, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations teaching them what I've commanded you, for I will never leave you or forsake you. Until then, pursue Jesus with all that you have as passionately as you possibly can. Follow God. So that's the story of the gospel, that we can come up with everyday life. Like, it was one of these P's are going to come up in your everyday life every single day, and you're to repeat them as often as you possibly can, where it becomes them pointing it out to you rather than you pointing it out to them. I have one of these little handouts that's on the welcome desk if you want to grab one before you go. Or if you have your own way of sharing the gospel, that is more, there's no wrong way to share the gospel as long as it is true. And it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. But ultimately, you're just teaching in everyday occurrence, character of God, sinfulness of man, who Jesus is, the urgency of eternity. Then we move to number four. Ask questions frequently. Ask questions frequently. This is to get a glimpse of their heart because one of the questions we always ask is, are they ready? Do they understand? You know how you find that out? By asking thought-provoking questions. They'll let you know. You don't have to wonder. You can hear for yourself their heart where they are. And so also on this little sheet that I gave you, on the back I've given you some questions to discuss. And now these are not exhaustive questions. There are so many more questions that they will lead you to and that you keep on asking just to hear from them a glimpse of their heart, of where they are at. As you share the gospel consistently, ask these open-ended questions and give them an opportunity to express their understanding of the gospel. And as they do, you'll get a glimpse of your heart. And let me just give you a few of them. Like the first, They always come to me saying, I want to be saved. So my very first question is, why do you want to be saved? A lot of times they will say something like, well, I want to go to heaven. Or I don't want to go to hell. My next question is, well, why don't you go to heaven already? If you say, I've got to be saved, in order, why do you got to go to heaven? Or, or if they say, I don't want to go to hell, why are you going to hell? And then they'll say, 
because I haven't asked Jesus in my heart or something like that. And you, well, why do you have to ask Jesus in your heart? Why, why do we have to be saved? Why don't just everybody go to heaven? It's only because of our sin, right? Well, what is sin? What is sin? Do you have any sin in your life? Do you have just a little bit of sin or do you got a bunch of sin? And normally, say, well, I, I like, one time I sinned. That tells you they probably don't fully understand, right? Just a little more. And you ask, well, who is God? What has God done for us? And because of what God has done for us in Jesus, what must we do to be saved? And then once you're saved, are you going to be perfect from here on out? And then one of my favorite questions I always ask is, can we pray together now and can we talk about it again later? When they're not fully there, when you're still learning, when you're still, and, and not even when you're not fully there, but like, that's a good question. It's always been helpful for me to just kind of, to gauge where they are, to pray for them, and, and then at the same time, we know that a lot of times they're fearful, right? I don't want to go to hell. What does the Bible say? If you will believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So like what I'm teaching children at a young age, believe. And God says you'll be just fine. Believe and you will be safe in the arms of Christ. You see, what we, what we, what we believe, a theology that I have is this. God is good. In His goodness, <laughs> I believe there's somewhat that when and if a child dies, I believe that child is going to be with Jesus for all of eternity. And some of the reasons I've got it, we see it, and was it First Samuel? When, when they're praying, King David's praying over the baby. Lord, please protect the baby. Please save the baby. Allow him to live. He's fasting, not eating, and praying. And then once he dies, he immediately gets up and starts eating. And they say, why? Why are you not more devastated now than when the baby was sick? And he said, because where he goes, I can see him again. I'll be with him again. It gives us this idea of the theology that God is good and that a good God is not going to allow a child that don't have the ability and capability to fully understand in order to go to hell. So that's what we know as mom and dad. That's what we know, I think, as Christians of what the Bible teaches. So use the time as a child in a, such a way where we're teaching them about God. We're teaching them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teaching them what it means to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Asking these questions. And I know that what I've shared with you so far at this point, it doesn't answer all the questions you have. But this is what I'm trying to point you to. We're not just looking for the right answers. We're looking for their heart. We're looking for a heart that loves Jesus, that follows Jesus, that serves Jesus. We're looking for a heart that has two attitudes. Their posture of their heart is this. <laughs> Turning from their sin and trusting Jesus as Lord. That must be the posture of their heart from a very young age. That realizing that they are more sinful than they could ever imagine. And they must turn from that sin. And as they turn from that sin, they're turning to a God who loves them so very much. That sent his one and only son Jesus to die on the cross for their place. And now they are turning to Jesus. They're trusting in Jesus. They're following Jesus. That must be the posture of their heart. 
that they're turning from sin and they're trusting in Jesus. That's not only true of a child, that's true of every single believer who follows Jesus. That must be the posture of our heart, repenting of our sins, trusting in Jesus. This is not just words from their mouth, but it's the attitude of their heart, which leads us to number five, we must trust Jesus supremely. Get this, good parenting is not enough. Modeling the love of Jesus is not enough. Asking all the good questions is not enough. You can model for them you can, uh, the love of Jesus. You can ask them good questions. You can follow Jesus, but it doesn't guarantee they will follow Jesus. Why? Because faith is a personal relationship between them and the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's nothing you can do for them. We can try our best, but that doesn't mean they will go in the way they've been taught, which is scary at first to think about. But at the same time, it's a relief. It's a relief. Why is that? Because the opposite is true. Because the opposite, if that is, if it's true that we can do all of the right things and they still not follow Jesus, then the opposite is true. We can do all of the wrong things and they still follow Jesus. <laughs> that, we as parents, or let me, speaking for myself, I get it wrong more than I get it right. I'm not patient at times. I'm not loving at times. I'm not kind at times. And I don't model the love of Jesus like I should at times. But the good news is this. God's grace and God's mercy has power to overcome all of my mishaps, all of my mistakes, and work in my child's life in a powerful and miraculous way. <laughs> For God, our Heavenly Father, is the perfect father. He is a perfect parent, and he never messes up. He never disappoints. He never is unloving in any way at any time. So when we as parents mess up, we have a Heavenly Father has power and ability to overcome all of our mistakes and by His grace work in their hearts for any and all who repent of their sins and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. So we must trust the work of Christ while we passionately pursue the things of God so that others may know Jesus. That's true, not of just our kids. That's true of a lost and dying world. <laughs> this must be our hearts as we're sharing the gospel. This is how the gospel works. The gospel comes to us in our hearing. The Spirit of God works in us. He changes us. He saves us. And then we tell others about him and as we tell others about him we pray that the lord may do a saving work in their heart and their life so we as god's people must be surrendered to praying for lost people it must be a priority for us as a church what would it look like if we spent every single sunday on our knees praying for lost people to be saved <laughs> we try to put names on it right Who's your one that we've been working on for three or four years? We try to put names on who we're praying for. And I got about 45 names that we can put that walk this little aisle every Sunday morning walking out those doors. I've got about 18 that's right out here in this nursery right now that we can put their name that we're praying for. I've got another 10 others that are upstairs that are in the youth group and in the first through sixth grade that are in Sunday school. And then on 36 on Wednesday night, we can put their name to it and say, Lord Jesus, save their soul. 
Pray now for Ruth Arterburn. Pray now uh, for these babies that are being born, these babies that are in our nursery, that are growing in the ways of the Lord. Pray now that they may know Jesus, love Jesus, and serve Jesus, and they may tell other people about Jesus. Pray for our kids and our grandkids and their kids that they may know the way of the Lord. Let's do that now. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how the gospel works. Lord, we thank you for your call. And Lord, this word is not meant to make us feel uh, like a bad Christian and we're disobedient. Lord, this word is to stir in our hearts a burden for lost people and a ways that we can reach out by praying, by modeling, by teaching the truth regularly, by asking questions and trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do that now. We pray for the lost who are here this morning that don't know you as Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, I pray that you may convict them of their sin, draw them to yourself before it's everlasting too late. Lord, we're praying that today may be the day of salvation. We're praying for our children, for our babies, for our youth, for the ones that are in this room, for any and all that don't know you as Lord and Savior. We lift them up to you and pray that you may save their souls before it's everlasting too late. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean how marvelous
Thank you so very much for being here this morning, uh, praying you have had a good week and praying for an upcoming week that we have together and continue reading. Uh, this week we're reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and 5, or 3 through 5, and then 2 Thessalonians 1 and 2. We'll talk a little bit more about those letters next week. So I pray as days 55 through 60 in our reading plan, pray that it is helpful for you and encouraging you as you read. And then also a reminder, Easter egg hunt is Wednesday, March 29th from 5 to 7 p.m. We're going to have some hamburgers and some chips, drink, cookie that night. We're going to have some carnival games um, and an Easter egg hunt. If you are willing to help on that night, will you please sign up on the bulletin board so we'll know that you'll be there and help with some of the festivities we have going on that night. That would be really helpful. And then also the Awana food drive is for the PCM, spaghetti noodles, sauce, hamburger helper, instant oatmeal, and cracker. There's a little crate that you can put that in, uh, in the foyer as well. And children's workers, we're having a meeting today after service in the fellowship hall. Pizza is provided, so we ask you to come, and we're going to be talking about Vacation Bible School for this summer. Uh, we will talk about children's church and Awana and nursery. So all of our children's workers, if you could, and, and maybe you haven't volunteered, today's a good day to volunteer because we offer you pizza. Come and eat with us, and we'll share with you all the things we got coming up for the entire summer. Uh, so come, and I promise you, you'll be done before the UK game starts, all right? I'll make sure that you can get home in time for them to almost lose. They do that every game or try to lose. But anyway... I'm not mad about it, uh, but if you will, oh, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, amen, 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 absolutely, that's an amazing testimony, because yeah, God is working in the hearts of children, uh, and we want to give the Lord a hand for that, and praise God for how he's moving and working, amen, thank you for sharing, and I forgot Andrew, if you will come, and, if, and then we'll, if you will pray for us, and we'll be dismissed. That's good. That's a great way to end uh, this morning. Um, had a lot going on here at Rosebow over the last several weeks. You know, several weeks ago, we had a deacon ordination service. 
just a few weeks ago, we had an ordination service um, for Brother Michael as he started his ministry at East. And here in a couple weeks, we got Easter. Uh, but one thing we want to make sure we do not overlook is the significance of next Sunday. Next Sunday will mark the 10-year anniversary of Brother Justin and his family coming to Rosebower Baptist Church. So let's give them a <laughs> Very exciting, very exciting. We're going to have a meal after the service, uh, but in this coming week, pray for them, uh, reach out to them, text them, let them know how much you love them, how much you're thinking of them, get them a card, anything like that. But one thing we are going to do as a church is we are taking up a love offering to show our appreciation to you guys. So um, several different ways you guys can give to that. Uh, over the next few weeks, you can just give the money directly to one of the elders. Uh, next week, we will actually pass an offering plate during the service for that. Uh, at the end of the service, Neil will be um, in the foyer with a plate as well. I hear he's giving out Bob's coupons if you go give to him. Uh, but in case you hear this today and you're saying, absolutely, I do want to give, you show up next week and you're, oh, my goodness, I forgot. We are going to extend it an additional week. Uh, only thing we're asking is that you please put that in an envelope and mark that envelope so that we know what the purpose of that gift is. Just you can write, you know, um, Mason's anniversary. Uh, 10 year anniversary for brother Justin pastor appreciation whatever that is that way they know when they give that to AJ we can get all that marked accordingly all right uh, but let's close in prayer this morning God I thank you for today and Lord I thank you for just what a great service God to, to feel your spirit moving Lord to hear this word that brother Justin shared with us we know it was yours and God how encouraging it is and also how convicting to God to, to think of all these kids who are here and all those children in our lives and Lord how it's on us to be praying for them even now. And God, I, I thank you for this great word we've heard of this other young one who has come to know you. And God, I'm so thankful to hear of all these who are asking questions to the pastor. But God, I just ask that you continue just to use that momentum, Lord, that we can keep hearing stories like this, Lord. As these children get older, we keep getting more and more of these stories, more children coming to know you, and Lord, anyone come to know you. God, I ask you to be with us all as we go our separate ways. Keep us safe. Help us to be lights for you in our community. Lord, we thank you for bringing us all together. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.